When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Santa, you could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy, on now at APCO. <laughs> You're listening to Continental Tyres AFL Trade Radio. Engineered in Germany. Proven in Australia. Search Continental Tyres today. Uh, yes, indeed. Welcome to the Maccas Run on Trade Radio. We do it all for Maccas. Score a one in four chance to win with a Monopoly game at Maccas. Sam Hargraves in with you, joining Matt Rendell. Matty, uh, about five minutes before uh, you guys were set to finish uh, on the late trade, the news came in. Uh, it was originally reported uh, by uh, Jay Clark and Sam Landsberger in the Herald Sun and now has been confirmed by the Essendon Footy Club that Chief Executive Andrew Thorburn has resigned after being in the job for a single day. Uh, they're reporting that his position was untenable after the Herald Sun revealed he was also the chairman of a church organisation with controversial views on uh, abortion, which they compared to the Holocaust and uh, homosexuality. So it means that they are trying to find their third CEO in the space of six weeks, uh, the Essendon Footy Club. And uh, I'm just going to have to read the statement out if you... Uh, bear with me. Uh, Essendon have released a statement, Matty. Um, Damo read the first part of it, but uh, it states the Essendon, the board of the Essendon Football Club has ex- has accepted the resignation of Andrew Thorburn as CEO as soon as the comments relating to a 2013 sermon from a pastor at the City of the Hill Church came to light this morning. We acted immediately to clarify the publicly espoused views on the organisation's official website, which are in direct contradiction to our values as a club. Essendon is committed to providing an inclusive, diverse and a safe club where everyone is welcome and respected. The board made that clear despite these not being the... The board made clear that despite these not being views that Andrew Thorburn has expressed personally and that were also made prior to him taking up his role as chairman, he couldn't continue to serve in his dual roles at the Essendon Football Club and as chairman of City on the Hill. The board respects Andrew's decision. We are deeply committed to our values and support wholeheartedly the work the AFL, the work of the AFL in continuing to stamp out any discrimination based on race, sex, religion, gender, sexual identity or orientation or physical or mental disability. I want to stress that neither the board nor Andrew was aware of the comments from 2013 sermon until we read about them this morning. I also want to stress that this is not about vilifying anyone for their personal religious beliefs, but about a clear conflict of interest with an organisation whose views do not align at all with our values as a safe, inclusive, diverse and welcoming club for our staff, our players, our members, our fans, our partners and the wider community. Acting CEO Nick Ryan will continue in his role whilst we commence the process to appoint a new CEO. So that's a massive, massive story. Mm. Just 24 hours after he was officially announced, he'd been leading uh, the or part of the review uh, leading the external review into the uh, the football department that was called for uh, by Dave Barham, who um, effectively overthrew the former president, uh, Paul Brasher, 
and then has been instilled as CEO. These revelations have come to light, Matty. Um, it's it's a debacle, really, for the Essendon um, Footy Club. I'm I'm just a bit shocked that Essendon didn't know about it in this day and age of social media that you don't know everything about anyone that's what they do in their life and posted and Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, whatever, how you don't, I mean, recruiters have someone who specifically goes through players' Mm. social media accounts. Well, this wasn't on any of his social media, but But, his role, mm. I'm not sure if they were aware of his role as chair of his church. You think he would have mentioned it? Or you think the question would have got asked, is there anything in your background or anything you do outside the CEO role that uh, we need to be worried about? That's, well, yeah. that's just a standard question you do get Do you asked. have any other jobs that you currently do? Uh, and um, clearly he decided that he was going to stay with the church over the CEO. Uh, is that what we're thinking? Or was well, that's, or, that's, or was, that's what the statement says. Yeah, it does. Couldn't yeah. continue in both roles. Yeah, I'm just shocked that it didn't happen. But I will say this, um, you move. They made a mistake, okay, by not doing enough background check, um, and you move on. It's not going to hurt them that much. They'll get another CEO within uh, a month, I would su- suggest. Um, the AFL football landscape is thirtieth of uh, the end of the year. Their financial year is 30th October. starts again on the 1st of November. I would suggest that they've probably got a CEO by the 1st of November, um, and, and you move on, you just – wonder how something like that can happen if you're doing your due diligence. Yeah, I'm, I'm as stunned as you are. Um, Andrew, uh, who's been the CEO of, of two banks, the NAB and yeah. the Bank of New Zealand, um, who um, was made to resign from his position at the NAB in the wake of the Royal Commission yeah. into misconduct in the banking industry in 2019. Its final report was pretty scathing of, of, of him uh, in that. Um, he spoke to Gary Lyon and Tim Watson earlier and was and, and, and Gary Lyon asked the pertinent questions to him about what what had been posted or the sermons that had been given as part of the the, the church group that he represents and, and this is what he had to say. How do you answer that if a, if a player was to come to you, male or female, yes. to say, listen, Andrew, you're the head of the organisation yes. that I play for and I'm gay. Yes. Um, and, I, I have, an, I have and, an issue with this. And I would say thank you. Uh, and I respect and care about you and you're welcome in this organisation and I want to hear what you think and that to ensure that you feel safe and can speak out that. So I want people to know that who I am and how I lead and how I engage, that's what they should rely on, right? Now, I want to come to the church. Um, I, I, I haven't read all of that um, um, because the Crichton Middle went on right. a bit, yeah. right? Yeah. But I haven't read it all. You're the chairman but, of... City on a Hill Church, yep. right? Now, I just want to say, some of those go back to 2013. I wasn't even at the church. I've never heard these things expressed since my time. I've been on the board for two years, two years. Yep. Um, but I also want to say that uh, I think, I mean, in, in the church, like any diverse society, there are very different views on all these matters. Right. I have different views on some matters, right? I'm not a pastor. My job as a, in a governance role is to make sure it's run well I don't always agree with what's said. 
So that was mm. um, just one of a, a few questions that was put to Andrew uh, by uh, Gary Lyon this morning on SEN, and, and that was one of the answers. Worth listening to it in its totality, but but clearly uh, Andrew has made a decision to step down um, when it was put to him that he couldn't continue in and, both roles, and he's chosen. And you, and you know why, Sam? This would go on yep. for a year. It'd be talked back every time. Um, people ringing in. Uh, I mean, great for the well, talkback sport radio stage, but it would be never-ending. Well, you've just brought in a women's team uh, and those yeah. views on abortion where you're comparing it to the Holocaust yeah. um, well, it's wouldn't not, sit comfortably. We're not saying him. it's his views. No, no, we're not saying it's, it's his, his view. Uh, Absolutely not. That, and he said that he has different views on the things. He didn't expressly state which views. The church had those views back yeah. in 2013. What I will say is that he's probably looked at it and gone, I really couldn't be bothered with the with yeah. what's coming Yep. What I know is going to come because it's already come in one day. What I'm going to have to put up with for at least a mm. year, probably more. And do I need to go through this? And he's made a choice to opt out. Yep. Um, maybe with a bit of help from the Essendon board, but he's made a choice to opt out. And um, he should be commended for that. That, But he just didn't want to obviously go through the drama that was coming his way. No doubt there was going to be drama. Absolutely. Um, and, so we move on. Yeah, and the club are going to have to move on pretty quickly. And so they're on the, on the hunt yeah. for another CEO as we speak. Yeah. Um, it all happened pretty quickly. The appointment and, and Damien Barrett spoke earlier about the fact that there was, if there was a process there, it was a very, very quick one uh, to appoint him as CEO. Um, as, as Gary Lyon pointed out, They've got a women's team that's just come in. They have mm. women employees. They have would have um, homosexual employees. Mm. They would have Jewish employees. They would have people who would have read that. And whilst that he said that's not my personal view, yeah. but he is the representative and chair of the church that does hold those views. Some people at the church. Some people. At the, well, a, a pastor who's given a sermon at the church has yes. held yes. those views. So when you're CEO and you're president and you mm. coach are the three most visible and important um, leaders uh, at the club, um, you, it was a no-brainer. He had to tip out. Yeah, I don't know what the response has been from internally from the people that I just mentioned since mm. uh, these revelations have, have come to light. The club doesn't need the drama. No, it needs some. It needs some clear air and some smooth sailing, mm. Sammy. And this <laughs> is in people are going to point in and, and ask questions about. Well, what about? Have we asked the, the, the Muslim players what they view? Have we, you know, uh, wanted, to, wanted to speak about Hanin Zarika and, yeah, and, thinking that, and, and thinking that every single thing is the same and mm. not understanding maybe the nuance of some things and, and not the others. And we're talking about individual players within an organisation. There, this is your CEO. Yep. So. Whether he's made the call and we've been pushed, but you're right, it would have been a continual theme mm. throughout as long as he was still the chair mm. of that church. And when we have, you know, again, with the AFLW, with women in football round, with when Pride round comes, when, when, so it, it would not go away. Sammy, could you imagine the media, how many of those church sermons they'd be going to, to pick that apart? They they would be fronting up when uh, say it was every Sunday they'd be fronting up every Sunday to the church to try and pick it apart. It just was going to be untenable. It, was, it would have been ridiculous. The Herald Sun reporting that they'd uh, mm. seen multiple letters from outraged supporters who threatened to tear up their memberships mm. on the back of Thorburn's appointment. So the Premier Daniel Andrews um, was pretty scathing uh, of the church's stance mm. and and on Andrews' appointment. 
as a CEO of the Essendon Footy Club. He, he's an Essendon member. He yes. said he wouldn't be uh, tearing up his membership, but the deputy mayor of the city of Port Phillip, um, he did say he was tearing up his membership off the back of this. So, yeah, this wasn't going it's away. It's very divisive. You know, I heard some talk back on the way and some people were fine with it mm. and called out hip- hypocrisy. And some of them said, I'm, I'm not getting involved in the Essendon Footy Club again. So that's where it was going. Um, had, what happened had to happen. So that is uh, the latest out of the Essendon Footy Club. They'll be looking for their third CEO uh, to take the reins in a six-week period after Andrew Thorburn offered his resignation. Uh, the Essendon board accepted that resignation uh, a day into his CEO-ship. Um, it has uh, come to a very br- a very abrupt end. Um, on the Macca's run, over the next, uh, well, 50 minutes that we've got left, we will be speaking to uh, newly minted Blue, uh, former Docker, former Saint, Blake Akers, will be joining us for a chat after uh, he was traded to the Blues from Fremantle today for a future third-round pick or a third-round pick. Matty Rendell's got a few things up his sleeve. We'll give you the state of play on a few of the other trades uh, and get you up to speed on every bit of business that's been done today. Uh, score a one-in-four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Mackers. You're listening to Continental Tyres AFL Trade Radio. Engineered in Germany. Proven in Australia. Search Continental Tyres today. A trade news update for Beaumont Tiles. Hey, Tylers, need stock fast? Beaumont Tiles are ready to help with over 115 outlets stocked up. Yeah, it feels amazing. Um, I love what this club's been building over the last 12 months and um, I've been watching from afar and uh, just really excited to get, uh, get involved and, um, and see where this club can go. It obviously wasn't an easy decision. Um, my life up in Brisbane um, is something I've only ever known as an adult, so um, just to be able to um, come home, be around family. Um, my partner and I made that decision and um, we, we just felt like Collingwood was the, the best club to come to. They, uh, they've been building something special. Fly seems like he's got a really great understanding of the group and, uh, and a lot of belief in, in the playing group. So um, it's just something that really excited me. Dan McStay, 160 games for the Brisbane Lions across eight seasons, has got his wish. And as a, as a free agent move, he will join the Collingwood Footy Club. Uh, he was picked 25 in the 2013 NAB AFL draft. It's a five-year deal. He's 27 years of age. The Brisbane Lions will get a second-round compensation pick, which is at the moment pick 35. So um, that's one of three deals done today. Liam Jones of the Western Bulldogs, Blake Akers, who we're going to speak to shortly to Carlton. And we believe that a deal to send... Uh, Griffin Logan, Darcy Tucker to North Melbourne has also been agreed upon with the paperwork not lodged. So, Matty, they get Dan McStay at the Ooh. Collingwood Footy Club. Oh, and lose Grundy. <laughs> that doesn't Expecting add up. Grundy to be traded to pick 27, yes. can you believe that? Doesn't, doesn't can, add can up Can I to give me. you something on Dan McStay? I yeah. think people are underselling how good a player this guy is. Yeah. He's a better player than people realise. He's been top 20 in contested marks in the competition in the last five years, despite being the third banana and now the fourth banana inside forward 50 behind Danaher, Cameron and Hipwood. Mm. So he's been, so 2018 equal 15th, 2019 equal 6th, 2020 equal 11th, 2021 equal 11th, 2022 equal 15th. Nobody has taken more contested marks at Brisbane in the last five years. Mm. Four out of the last five, he's been their number one contested marker. Mm. It's exactly what Collingwood need. They need someone who they can get a bailout kick to down the line, who is going to take contested marks for them. He gives them that. They've lacked that. He provides it. 
Um, how many goals he kicked? But he, but he's never been the, the he's he's been the the number four target over the last two yeah, years and the number three target for the two years before <sighs> that. So he's not their number one target I, as an I avenue know, to goal. I know, I know. You want Grundy or McStay in your team on Grand Final Day? I would. Pick, I would pick Brody Grundy. <laughs> hey, but they've had Brody Grundy in their team on Grand Final Day, and it didn't turn out the way well, they would have liked. Yeah, well. well <laughs> So, and do you know what they needed so that for, day in 2018? So for a, they needed another key forward on that day in 2018. So for an umpiring decision that should have gone to Maynard. Oh, listen to it coming it was, out now. Oh, well, please. Where were you working again in 2018, yeah, Matty? Please, <laughs> please. It was a free kick every day of the week. You know who would have paid it? Um, Razor Ray would have paid it. Um, look, it's done and dusted anyway, so mm. uh, I think – they would have committed very, very early in the season. You know, maybe even last year, maybe even this time last year. Uh, they know all the free agents coming out. Uh, clubs get in touch straight away, and you know they would have put, been trying to get in before anyone else. Have their time again? Um, maybe not. Now, speaking of Brisbane Lions picks and compensation picks and then what mm. Brisbane Lions need to do for the business-wise, you're going to come back and speak about that. We've oh, got okay. to get to a break because Blake Akers is going to join us, uh, who is one of the other three deals done today officially, uh, four believed to have mm. been done. Uh, and, of course, the other big news today that uh, Essendon are on the look for another CEO um, and a retired bomber, uh, Anthony McDonald, Tip, Anthony mm. McDonald, Tip and Woody, uh, looking likely to make a comeback uh, with Essendon and Frio, the team's Currently in the mix. Uh, this is the Maccas run on trade radio for Maccas. Score a one in four chance to win with a Monopoly game at Maccas. Blake Akers, New Blue, on the other side of this. You're listening to Continental Tyres AFL Trade Radio. Trade up to Continental Tyres. Engineered in Germany. Proven in Australia. Search Continental Tyres today. Across the other side of the ground they go. Collar Jasny. He goes down the line, it's turnover. It was crying out for it. Akers runs to 55, thumps it towards goal and makes them pay. Oh, they won't like that, the locals. Oh, that was just a Mm. very nice highlight uh, from Carlton's newest recruit at his time at Frio after a career best year in 2022. Average just under 22 disposals a game, Matt Rendell, but bolt meters game for Blake Akers, mm. redeployed as a wingman. Mm. And his finals, I would say, probably Freo's best performed over the two finals. 24 yep. disposals with 544 meters in the win over the Bulldogs and 27 disposals close to 600 meters in the loss to Collingwood. He's been mm. good enough to jump on the line with us after securing the move from Fremantle to Carlton. It'll be his third club after starting at St Kilda. He played 75 games, 2014 to 2016, 45 games for the Dockers between 2020 and 2022. And now he's in the Navy Blue. Blake Akers, hello, mate. Hello, lads. How are we? Good, thanks, Blake. How does that How feel? Does it, Business done, uh, new home. Uh, you've been here, there, and everywhere over the last few years. But um, how do you feel to, to to know that your future's secure for the next three years at a club that's uh, on the up? Yeah, no, I'm really pumped with it. To be honest, it's I'm starting to get done in the first couple of days. Didn't really want to have mm. to wait wait around for it. Um, so I get through today. Um, try to get back to all the messages today, and um, got a few more radios to do, and then. Um, yeah, no, I'm really excited to be a part of Carlton now as well, especially for the next three, four years. Um, yeah, the group's heading the right way. They nearly made finals last year. Pretty stiff not to be in it, to be honest. So hopefully I can just add a little bit, um, 
and then, yeah, made that next step to finals. Uh, Matt Rendell here. Uh, Blake, uh, congratulations. I'm just – I'm intrigued. You've left a team well on the up to another one on the up. Uh, explain the move for us. Oh, to be honest, um, I had some talks mid, like about, just over halfway through the season with Frio um, about contract extension and sort of wasn't really um, what I thought was where I was – what I sort of needed for where I'm at in footy. Mm. Um, so I sort of um, just had a little look around and just to see if there's much out there and just to make sure I wasn't, you know, underselling myself um, and just the difference in um, contracts that I was sort of looking at um, mm. sort of told me that I was potentially getting undersold a little bit. Um, and so I had a few more convos with Freo and sort of just couldn't quite get it to where I, th- I thought um, was suitable for me. And so I sort of looked at, well, I had a good conversation with Carlton um, and where they are at, and um, I, was, I feel like I can fit in there really easily. And what I bring to them, and what they can bring to me, and do for me, um, yep. I think it's a really great fit, to be honest. Oh, so it um, brings my next question. So you signed a four-year contract, is that correct? Yeah, it's three years. It's three three years, years, okay. Uh, so what has been the conversation with Carlton around uh, what role they want you to play? Obviously, you were you're a champ on the wing at the end of the season, well, most of the season, but the final series was outstanding. So there was a spot there for you, Frio. So what are Carlton thinking? To be honest, it'll be pretty similar. Um, I I don't think I'll have to change much in my game, to be honest. I'll I'll just be a hard runner, two-way runner for them Mm. on the wing. Um, And maybe some time inside as well in the midfield to help out Cripper and and, uh, Mm. Walshie and those guys in there. Which, which I've something I've really want to do over my time is play as an inside mid for a bit. So if I can get that opportunity as well, um, I feel like I can really build on my game and where I'm at at the moment. Mm. Blake, was it? A, was it? It must have been a really hard. I mean, I know that when it just comes down to brass tacks, it, it was an easy decision. But you look like you'd really got yourself settled at Fremantle. You're really part of the, the the fabric in there. You were part of the best twenty two. It must have been really tough when you, you know that you've, you put a value on yourself and when the club's not in alignment with that, I'd imagine that's a pretty tough place to be. How do you – what was the support around you like and how did you have to reconcile that, that here's a place where you felt like you'd found a home, yet monetarily-wise they didn't value you anywhere near where you sort of thought that you were valued? Um, I don't imagine that's an easy situation. Yeah, it, it was a tough one, to be honest. Um Especially with the group at Freo at the moment, I'm I'm close with a lot of them. Mm. Um, and, and and to be honest, the culture at Fremantle is outstanding. It's the best culture I've been a part of in my journey at the moment. Um, so that made it a lot harder to leave, to be honest. And I got along with all the coaches and everyone at the club really well. And um, I'm being a Perth boy, I, I settled in. And um, but you know, footy you only get a short time in footy. Mm, yeah. Um, and I and I want to be in it as long as I can. And um, if I, if I sort of didn't feel like, um, you know, if I was going to get that commitment from Fremantle, then um, I, I potentially could should look elsewhere so I can keep my footy journey goal as long as I can. And I had good conversations with a lot of the players um, during the year about where it was all at, um, just so they're on top of it. I didn't want to lie to them. And so I was quite open with all of them and their support was outstanding throughout the season. And I know they're they're all dis- they're, they're all quite disappointed in me leaving, but they all understand why, and um, I'll be good mates with a lot of them forever, and I'll still support them when I can. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's been a tough mm. one, but I'm also 
lot, lot to look forward to, to be honest. Mm. Yep. Uh, you, you're a West Perth boy, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. Um, did you go to the grand final? We had our BNF night that night. So oh, my the, God. Um, no. Parked up in the Crown Sports Bar. Well. <laughs> uh, that's a bit sad because they haven't won one for a long while, have they? Yeah, that, oh, it's been a while. They've, yeah. they've had um, they had all three codes in the Colts' red yes. league. So Did they win? The, what happened the with the other team. two? What happened with the Colts and the Reserves? Reserves just lost by, I think, seven or eight points, and the Colts lost by two points. Oh, so God. The league nearly got done as well, so it could have yeah, been a shocking day for the club. I saw the league result, yeah. Uh, now, i just got to tell you a funny story, uh, Blake, because oh, when I was working for uh, Collingwood, Recruiting, uh, I went over to Perth, first game of the year, and the boys said, can you go over and watch Blake Akers for us? And I said, no worries, they're playing out at West Perth. Anyway, the, there was a game on earlier and uh, at Swan Districts, and I'm watching that game. Anyway, later in the day, the boys rang up said, how did Blake Akers go? I said, I don't know, I didn't get there. Oh. <laughs> I, said, I said, they said, what were you doing? I said, I'm watching this bloke play for Swan the Districts and he's mesmerising me. I said I couldn't leave at half time. I had to watch the whole game. Who was that it? player, Charlie Cameron, oh. playing his oh. first game for Swan <laughs> District. So oh, sorry, old mate, I, I burnt you. <laughs> I burnt you. <laughs> no, you end up no. saying killed him, but <laughs> I did watch you later in the yeah, year. No, that- that hurts, mate. I really to go to Collingwood. <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> oh, sorry, old mate. You got to St Kilda anyway. No, I got to. I got to a good club there. At yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you, you look at the clubs you want to play, go for being your young kid. Yeah. Collingwood's big them, so... Yeah. Them and, you know, a few other clubs you want to go to, but far out, mate. You've stitched me up. <laughs> Hasn't he ever? Wow, I can't believe you've told him that. <laughs> oh, well, what's Charlie Cameron? Yeah, well... <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, um, uh, Blake, another big question here. Now, given that you're playing on the wing now, every commentator's loving that because when you've got space, Acres, he's got plenty of that, yeah. it just rolls off. But why is your nickname Sheriff? Are you allowed to tell – is that uh, suitable for the, for the time slot? Oh, uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, we um, At the club, they did like yeah, – obviously, a lot of footy clubs did like a fine system for week to week, um, and that was sort of my role. Mm. Off, you know, off field, just making sure the boys were getting on time to stuff. And <laughs> yes. If they gave away a 50 metre penalty or undisciplined free kicks and stuff, I'll just enforce a few fines and a um, few, few penalties throughout the year. And yeah, just a fun day in the season. Little um, little uh, piss up we did at the end of the year. So that, that was all good and just ran all that sort of stuff. It was fun. So just a little a bit on to more uh, serious matters. Uh, thanks for clearing that up too, Blake. Um, you're going to be playing uh, under Michael Voss, one of the greatest ever, uh, one of the greatest captains ever. What have your conversations, or have you been able to have a conversation with the great M Voss uh, at this stage? Yeah, I've had a few. Seems like an absolute ripper, and from what I'm told, he is a good fella. Um, so yeah, seen a play under him, but the conversations have been you know, a lot about just just mo- like moving over, making sure I'm all right in that sense, and um, I've got that all sorted. But then in terms of footy. Um, he just wants me to be who I am and bring what I bring, to be honest. He hasn't asked much more, and um, he just sees a good opportunity for me to keep growing my game um, and keep building, which I, I love to hear from him. So I'm looking forward to working under him. Well, Blake, we really appreciate your time mm. on Trade Radio. Good luck with the move to Carlton. Not an easy decision to make. You'd got yourself back home playing at Fremantle, as you say, West Perth boy, but you had to do what was best for your future. Uh, not easy decisions to make, and we wish you all the best with the call that you've made, and we hope it's a fruitful one for you. 
Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Blake. Blake Akers, former Saint, former uh, Docker, and Blues fans, now a current Blue. Uh, and your 2023 memberships are on sale now. Whether you want to support the team from the couch or at the games, there's a package there to suit you. Call 1300-227-586 or visit carltonfc.com.au slash membership to become a member for as little as $6 per month. Um, Matty, that's a surprising one before we uh, hit a break. I, 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 look, I'm really surprised that Freo low-balled him. Um, is it just too simplistic to say that this is all because they're trying to get Luke Jackson in the door? I, you wouldn't I think, think Blake Akers had anything I, to do I, with it. I think they had the great combo of Akers and Ash playing on their wings, and yeah. they both had super years, I thought. Yeah. I thought they were integral to Fremantle's rise up the ladder. Now, I know they've got options to replace uh, acres on the on the wing. We, we, we'll, I will talk that with Soss and when I do my list coming up. They've got options out there. But um, I thought he would have been really important, his leadership, maturity. Um, uh, cl- clearly uh, a popular person around the club to put him in charge of fines. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and, the, and they low-balled him. So, uh, you know, we'll have to speak to Peter Bell or – or David Walls or someone like that to find out the situation there. Yeah, I mean, look, we probably could have asked, you know, and, and I'll probably put my hand up and say oh, I could have asked him, you know, were you were you forced out for Luke Jackson? Obviously that puts him in an uncomfortable oh, spot to answer for a question. He probably, but he probably couldn't answer it. No, um, yeah. I don't think they would have said that to him. You wouldn't no. have thought in a meeting, well, we're going to no, lowball no, you because we've got this other bloke. Um, but then again, you did say that you didn't he wasn't go watch the only him because one. of Charlie Cameron. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> he wasn't the only one. They lowballed Griffin yep. Logue. Yep. Darcy, Darcy Tucker. Tucker was a bit different because yep. he's not in their best team. No. And and they've got a welter of running backs, which Darcy Tucker was. So he just got superseded, Darcy. Yep. But Griffin Logue, they lowballed. Oh, that's, that's doing my head in. Anyway. Hey, uh, when we come back, we'll go through all the business that's been done today and get your views uh, on all of that and just um, have a little look at what the state of play is uh, on a couple of other deals that we're expecting to be done but haven't been announced yet. This is the Macca's Run on Trade Radio. You're listening to Continental Tyres AFL Trade Radio. Engineered in Germany. Proven in Australia. Search Continental Tyres today. The Daily Wash-Up. It's all thanks to Pope. Pope, the better way to water. Matt Rendell is here. Sam mm. Hargraves. Make the connection with Pope's range on reliable garden watering systems. So, just to recap, Paperwork Lodge. Fremantle trade Blake Acres to Carlton for its future third round selection. We just spoke to Blake. Uh, that'll be up uh, on the podcast for Continental Tires AFL Trade Radio shortly. Paperwork. Actually, we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, the AFL received paperwork for unrestricted free agent Liam Jones to sign with the Western Bulldogs. Carlton will receive a round three selection, currently 49 in the draft. Liam Jones signing with the Western Bulldogs, uh, the club that originally uh, drafted him. Uh, he got a NAB Rising Star nomination there, um, refused to be vaccinated uh, for this season, so retired from Carlton and missed the whole year. Played in the quaffle with uh, Palm Beach Kurum, and it's a three-year deal. Um the other deal done today is Dan McStay uh, has signed with Collingwood as an unrestricted free agent. Brisbane are going to receive a round two selection, currently 35 in this year's draft. Um, we heard from Dan McStay a little bit earlier on that move. It's a five-year deal, Matt Rendell, but the mm. compensation is pick 35, as we've just heard. Um, they were hoping for it to be pick 19, an end of first round. We heard that report yesterday, well, Brisbane. That's not, not what they wanted. It's not... Um... Pick 19, it'd have to be around 700, so it's clearly south of that. So it's got to be six, maybe 550. 
The other deal that's been done today, Paperwork Lodge, Melbourne are trading its round two selection, which is pick 33, its round three selection, Mm. which is pick 43, and its round three selection, pick 53, to Port Adelaide for its round two selection, which is 27, which... um, That'll go for Grundy. Yeah. Which we've been told will be used to bring in Brodie Grundy. Yeah, so Port end up with 1,171 points here. Mm. Um, That equates to a pick 14 in the draft today. It's pretty damn good. Uh, I've got a feeling some of it might go to Brisbane uh, to get Ashcroft and Fletcher through. Uh, Presently, they've got about 2,600 with the McStay. That's why they traded, to get the points for McStay. 35 is equivalent to 522 points. Which means that they'll have to trade for Mm. Gunston, won't they? Because if they bring him in, that gets rid of the compensation. They'll trade for Gunston too. I don't think he's going to cost them a heap. No. Uh, So they need to keep that. So they got four, but even if it, if they don't trade for him, port some of the port picks will end up here. If the if the whole lot go there, they've got more than enough for those. So they don't need the whole lot, um, but they might go forty three fifty three gives them three thousand one hundred points. Brisbane forty three fifty three and trade it for a second round next year, future second. That allows that three thousand one hundred points will get both players through the door. Uh, without uh, having to go into deficit. And that allows Port Adelaide to still have 33 for for uh, Junior Rioli. Um, 15 will go out as part of the Dunkley deal because you don't want to lose it in the points scheme uh, because it's valuable. And so they get a player for him in Dunkley. It'll be 15 and something else. Not sure what, but there's a lot of picks, a lot of futures so, flying around. So with that, and you spoke uh, on Monday. Was mm. it yesterday that you told us or was it Friday? Mon- uh, it could be Friday, I think. Who knows? So today's oh, Friday, Friday was. Friday yeah. was. You told us exactly how Brisbane mm. can get everything they want. At but, the time, yeah. At the time. But that involved, because at the moment, yep, they're, they're accumulating the points they're going to need yep. to match bids for Will Ashcroft and Jasper Fletcher for the yep. father-son picks. But that still doesn't get the Josh Dunkley deal done. And they've got pick 15. So you know that that's going to have to be part of it to satisfy the Western Bulldogs. Talks are ongoing between Dom Ambrosio from the Lions and Sam Power from the the Western Bulldogs. But what it hinged on for you was Jack Bowes and taking him and getting pick seven, sorting out what he's owed 850. They can still do this without Jack Bowes. The 15 is involved, but it's going to be a future pick here, and it might be their future first next year. I, I'm, I'm saying maybe future second, but it might be future first and the 15 this year. The Bulldogs to get will be driving hard. They've already said. I mean, yeah, 15 and future first will definitely get it done. Yeah. Okay. That's without Jack Bowes, and they still get their players in. Uh, they'll they'll have to trade for uh, uh, Gunston, but I don't think he'll cost them much. Um, that's why they probably need uh, a, a pick or two off Port Adelaide for the Gunston deal. Um, but if they get bows in, it's a no-brainer. You just hand over the seven and away we go. And they've got uh, heaps left over. They have actually don't need to do the port deal. They've got plenty left over. So uh, intriguing. The, the bows deal is going to hold up a lot of things going on. So uh, clubs would need to know that pretty quickly, I reckon, what, what he's deciding to do. Uh, just on that, and there's a couple of texts here coming through off the uh, – the Continental Ties AFL Trade Radio text line uh, during this period is 0419 So if you're texting the regular Macca's Run number, it's not getting through to us and we can't see it. Uh, 0419 187 um, 
Hello, just have a question about James Harms. Will he be going to Essendon and where will Jack Bowes end up? So Ooh. long, uh, short answer to that is no, he won't be going to Essendon. They've knocked that on the head, the Melbourne Footy Club. But with Jack Bowes, so Andrew Mackey, uh, Geelong, Sam Edmund and several mm. others who are reporting and watching this closely believe that Geelong are the front runners yep. at this stage. He will meet with Essendon and Jack Bowes, but they're not believed to be the front runners at this mm. stage. Geelong are believed to be. Uh, this was Andrew Mackey uh, speaking on Jack Bowes today on AFL Trade Radio. Oh, not necessarily today, Lordy. I think uh, in the next little while, though. Um, yeah, we've we've been um, we've we've caught up with Jack. He's a really good catch up. We've been uh, aware and and sort of talking to his management for a long time about uh, where Jack's at and how he's going up up north. Um, so yeah, no, we're looking forward to to hearing where that lands. But you know, we'd love it to be us. So that was on if they can expect an answer from Jack Bowes today, Andrew Mackey from the Cats. But this was Andrew Mackey speaking about Jack Bowes. I'm only new to the case of Kane. I don't know how all this stuff plays out. But um, I think, to be fair, we, we, uh, we've we been aware of his playing attributes for a long time. And, and it's something we've been on record to say this year. Like our midfield, we're, we're aware that we'll need to transition that um, very soon. And, and we're sort of making sure we're doing steps to do that. Um, now clearly we were linked with Hopper throughout the year, but um, in that same discussion was Jack Bowes, and so that, it goes back a fair way. And um, you know, obviously everyone's talking around the pick, pick link with that. We haven't even with, with Gold Coast. The discussions have been we're confident a trade could get done, um, but the ins and outs of that we haven't really discussed because there's no there's no point talking about it until you know he chooses where he mm. wants to play his footy next. So it's a big call mm. for Jack. I mean, he he's got yep. up to possibly five different suitors. Oh, I think the contract that he's going to get is going to be very similar wherever he goes. Mm. It just decides where he wants to live. He wants to stay in Queensland. It's Brisbane. Uh, he's got, if he wants to live in Melbourne, he's got Essendon. He's got Hawthorne. Yep. And he's from Cairns. He's a country boy. Why wouldn't another country boy go down to Geelong? Well, they, everyone and, loves it. And possibly playing a flag straight up. Um. So there's a bit of business for the Cats to do as well. Ollie Henry, who put in the request uh, to be traded from Collingwood, which is a bit of a kick in the guts for the Pies after just a couple of years at the club. Um, Andrew Mackey spoke about their confidence in getting Ollie Henry to the Cats. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and there's no simple formula. There's, there's the subjective, objective stuff. Um, you know, data plays some bit of a role, but ultimately we've just got to work out what, what we have on our list, where does he fit, um, how do we see, um, you know, his next little bit and input potentially for us in AFL footy and then go from there. And, you know, that, that's tied in with what Stephen Wells and Liam Wood, Woodland do from a draft perspective. And then we, we nut that out and come up with a sort of conclusion as to where we think he's valued. Um, and, you know, it's, it's uh, Collingwood and whoever the teams are have their own value on different players too. Mm. And, and that's their right to have that. Uh, so that was Andrew Mackey. Um, this was Andrew Mackey on the confidence of getting Ollie Henry to the Cats. Yeah, he wants to he wants to come down and play for Geelong. I think um, by the end of the year, it, it sort of popped up late. That one, Kane. It was uh, um, we were aware he was out of contract, but we didn't we didn't actively pursue um, knock the door down to his manager. Given he's second year player, it's not something that we tend to do. But uh, clearly, his brother plays down here, and we're aware of the situation. But um, by the end of the year, or we, you know, even if it was a couple of weeks ago, we were aware that he was he would be keen to get down here. Am I confident? Oh, it's hard to say. I think mm. like I mentioned yesterday the, the common value for these guys, where there's still a lot of projection involved in in 
they're playing is is tough. But you know, we we sat down with Collingwood yesterday, and we'll do that again. And we'll try and work through. We're not sitting on our hands with any of the trades that we want to do. We're we're trying to be active and make sure that that those clubs, you know, do uh, do well out of it. Can you see that being done? Well, they normally do when they're out of contract and he wants to go there. They normally mm. get it done. So they've got Tanner Bruin coming in. They've got 18. Uh, so I'm, uh, 18 will go for one of them. Um, Bruin was a pick 12. Ollie Henry was a pick 17. They could end up with three first-round picks the, coming yes, in the door uh, after winning a premiership. Yes, and they got long. pick 36. And obviously they've got their future next year, which will be at worst 18. Um, so maybe they're <clears throat> they, they, they might lose the two first rounds out for three first rounds in um, and the and the seven, obviously, for Bose. This uh, was a real, part of it. This was a really interesting story today, Matty. Uh, Matthew Lloyd uh, spoke about Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, who mm. retired uh, from Essendon, is still, we believe, an Essendon-listed player. Mm. Um, but this was Matthew Lloyd speaking about Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody possibly returning to footy. Mm. Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody was in the room. Uh, despite uh, obviously you know, retiring earlier in the year. And uh, he is contemplating a return back to football to play AFL next year. Uh, Essendon are very keen for him to rejoin Essendon, but leading the race to have Anthony next year is the Fremantle Dockers. So Channel 7's Ryan Daniels revealing that Justin Longmuir at Freo Coach met with um, AMT two weeks ago to discuss Ooh. his potential return. If it's to happen, it'll happen uh, he'll, after the draft and he'll join as a train-on player. But he's still an Essendon player, according to Scott Lucas, who's his manager, who spoke Which to Continental Ties AFL Trade, trade Radio. So, Excitement machine. I hope he gets oh, he's back. he's a phenomenal oh, player. I, I love him. You know, there, I think there was some ridiculous stat every time he kicked a goal, they won a game, Essendon. So... Of course they want him back, uh, but he's a great need for Freo. They need someone like him, a natural goal kicker. Mm. Puts a lot of pressure on with Schultz and Switowski down there. Um, it a makes great them, small forward brigade. <clears> makes them a lot Frederick more potent. as well. Yep. Frederick. Henry. Makes it, uh, well, if, what's happened with Henry? Not sure. That's gone quiet, hasn't it? Um, so, um, yeah, I can understand the interest from Frio and I can certainly understand why Essendon want him back because they, they haven't filled that void either when he retired at the start of the year. Of course, it was, you can't fill, you can't replace him <laughs> once the season started. So, But the interest is he's still on their list. They haven't delisted him, so they would have to trade. Um, we just, this has just been made, I've just been made aware of a, a statement from Andrew Thorburn, and I'm just having a look at how much time we've got left, so I probably won't be able to read it in full. Um, but as uh, standing down from the Essendon Footy Club, yesterday was one of the proudest days of my life to be offered the role of CEO of the Essendon Footy Club, who have, I've followed since I was a boy. It was a profound honour. At last night's Crichton Medal, I could hardly contain my passion and wonder at the opportunity. I love the club. I love the people. I was incredibly excited about the work ahead. Um However, today it became clear to me that my personal Christian faith is not tolerated or permitted in the public square, at least by some and perhaps by many. I was being required to compromise beyond a level that my conscience allowed. People should be able to hold different views on complex personal and moral matters and be able to live and work together, even with those differences and always with respect. Behaviour is the key. This is all an important part of a tolerant, diverse society. Let me be clear, I love all people and have always promoted and lived in an inclusive, diverse, respectful and supportive workplace where people are welcome regardless of their culture, religious beliefs and sexual orientation. I believe my record over a long period of time testifies uh, to this. It's a, it's a long statement and we've run out of time. I wasn't aware that I had that there to be able to read. So I apologise about that. But 
um, you will be able to find that, I'd imagine, on the club's website. But um, Ooh. it's worth having a read of that. He says his faith is central to who he is as well. So um, Essendon looking for another CEO. Matty, thank you. Thank you, Sammy. See you tomorrow. To our designated and dedicated golf show, part of the Sporting Capital on SEN. So much to talk about in the wonderful world of golf and no one better to do that with than the former world number 16, the only man, I don't know if you know this, with a 2-0 record against the great Tiger Woods in match play golf. I speak, of course, of Nick Ahern. Hello, mate. G'day, Sam. Great to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. I can't tell you how glad I was <laughs> to see you when you walked in the door and I said, we've got an hour of golf coming up. <laughs> yeah. After the day that it's been in, elsewhere in sport, I, I've never been more excited. And you know how much I love golf, which I is do, why we do yeah. this show together. No. Never have I been so glad to be speaking about golf. I, I'm sure. Much better than football at the moment, At right? the moment, yes. <laughs> at the moment, yes. Hey, there's a ton to get through, as there always is. Um, we've got a new sponsor on board, so I'm looking forward to uh, introducing them. We're also going to be speaking to the boss at Big Swing Golf to find out a little bit more about the brilliant work that they're doing in the best golf simulator business uh, that there is on offer. Um, there's more live... Of course there is. There's always more live. There's a big announcement about the uh, the tournament that you are a director of. There is. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm involved in the tournament committee, yeah. Very um, big announcement, which we'll talk about Very later. big announcement in the, uh, the Cathedral, the cathedral Invitational. Invitational. Yes, the Monday, Tuesday after the Australian Open, December 5 and 6. We'll, but we'll talk about that more later. Absolutely. Hey, um, it's been a, a big week uh, in golf, and we, whilst New Zealand isn't technically ours, but, but our but our cousins from across the ditch. Uh, so we're always very happy when we see Kiwis uh, succeeding. And a very popular player on tour, uh, Ryan Fox, it's been a big week for him. Yeah, it certainly has. It, uh, at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship, which is played uh, at St Andrews, Carnoustie, Kingsbarns. It's a, it's a pro-am format, so very much like the... The Pebble Beach tournament, I guess you'd say, in the US where they have the AT&T Pro-Am. So every pro partners uh, an amateur for three days. I've had some amazing experiences there. I've had some some great uh, great partners over the years. Here, here's a good one for you. One of my partners one year was uh, was Mr. Peterman off Seinfeld. How's that? Seinfeld Are you character. for real? Mr. Peterman, do you remember him? Mr. Peterman. Elaine's boss, oh, right? <laughs> that is unreal. Yeah, John O'Hurley was his name. He was an amazing guy, just one of those larger-than-life characters, and it was blowing 50-kilometre-an-hour wind. I'm digressing here, by the way, but his hair never moved for three days. It was fascinating. We, we have to get some Peterman <laughs> grabs, which we will play by the end of the show from Seinfeld. Oh, Elaine. Oh, that, did, you did you go. get him to do... Elaine? Yeah, did you, did <laughs> you get him to do some of the stories from the Peterman catalogue? Well, he, there, there's a couple of good ones, but it, it's too long. It, it's too short a show to go into them all. And, but I want to oh. talk about Ryan Fox right now. And I, I digressed a little bit there, but that's okay. Uh, it was a great win for Ryan. I mean, he's had an outstanding year. He's had two runner-ups, uh, a third already, and also a win already this year. So this was his second win of the year. I've got to admit, he was pretty stiff to miss out on the President's Cup. Um, and interestingly enough, on the other side of the pond, another guy who was a bit unlucky to miss out was Mackenzie Hughes, and we'll talk a bit about him in a while. Yeah. But Ryan Fox uh, goes out and proves his point, I guess you could say, where he won the Alfred Dunhill, one of the biggest events on the, to in, on the tour, and usually his playing partner is the late, great Shane Warne. They came second last year. In the team event? Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's his typical partner over the last few years. Warney has been a an amazing um, 
amateur player in this event. He supported it. He, it's one of his greatest joys that he used to play golf in this tournament year after year after year. There's a number of cricketers that do play there. Kevin Peterson, Michael Vaughan, um, Joe Root was playing again this year. I had the great pleasure one year of playing with Steve Waugh as my partner over three days. Now, That's that cool. was an experience. And the other two guys we played with over the three days was Ian Wooseman and Ian Botham. Can you imagine the stories that were told over those three days? Oh, I can only... The mind boggles. Yeah, it's, it's one of those events that all the pros look forward to. The only downside is the, the rounds were a little long. You know, they go for about five and a half, six hours um, lengthwise. So, so they take a little while, but to play those golf courses, to stay at St. Andrews, my family and I would always go there. It was amazing. But Ryan Fox played some great golf down the stretch. He played a beautiful round of golf. Last round, he shot 68. He had a three-shot lead with two to go. Mm. Came to that famous road hole that we know, we, you know, what Cam Smith did earlier at the Open Championship where he knocked it behind the bunker and made one of the great pars. Ryan Fox had a three-shot lead, playing with Alex Noren. Alex has hit it to about six feet, and Ryan's having a bit of a mare. Um, on the hole, he sort of missed the fairway left, wedged it short of the green, popped it on, and he's in danger of making double, and Noren may make a, make a birdie here, and all of a sudden that three-shot lead could go. But luckily, Alex uh, missed his putt. Ryan ended up making bogey and retained a two-shot lead playing the last. I think actually it was a one-shot lead because, um, as it turned out, someone else had made a birdie and got within him. But he parred the last, and it was a great win for him. And I don't know if we've got the sound grab of him with uh, what he said afterwards, but it was just uh, very emotional for him and his family because his dad was the great, um, uh, what do you call it, fly half? Yeah, for the, the All Blacks. Grant Fox. Grant Fox, yeah. obviously a legend of, uh, of rugby. And uh, he had his whole family there, and what a wonderful experience it was for him. Brian, your second win of the season has come at this iconic venue in a marquee championship with your mum and dad watching. What does this mean to you? Uh, it means a lot. To be honest, the only person I can really think of at the moment is Warney. Um, yeah, he's, he meant a lot to me in this event and uh, was a great mate and it's a, yeah, it's a terrible shame he's not here, but um, yeah, I'm going to enjoy celebrating this one with the family. Did you feel his presence out there? You said you hoped he was with you? Yeah, there was definitely some luck out there. Um, yeah, I, obviously I was pretty nervy the last three holes. I didn't hit very good shots, to be honest, down 16, 17, 18. But, um, yeah, he was he was definitely helping out at putt on 15. You know, the tee shot on 16 could have quite easily kept going and it stayed in. And, um, yeah, he's just he was definitely out there with me today. You started the day four behind. You were three ahead after 12 holes, six under for the day. It did get tight towards the end. Tell us what you were thinking, what you were feeling as those last few were unfolding. Um, it's just trying not to make mistakes. I, I knew where I was, and it's a hard golf course to do that. It's almost an easy golf course when you're chasing. You feel like you've got some chances, and you no know, bad shots really penal those last five holes. And um, I was, yeah, as bad as it sounds, I was just trying not to hit really bad shots, and uh, thankfully I got away with it for the most part. You started the year 213th in the world rankings. You're now projected to 25th. You will be making your Masters debut in April. How excited about that possibility? I haven't had a chance to think about that yet, but I'm sure I'll get a few messages about it tonight. That'll be, yeah, unreal. Um, I, yeah, words can't describe any, anything at the moment, to be honest. And in position to potentially be the number one player on this tour, challenging Rory McIlroy, because you're now, I think, in second or third place in the DP World Tour ranking. So how excited about the possibility of going there with challenging to, to be the number one? I mean, that was, I wouldn't say it was a goal at the start of the year, but it was certainly a goal after the, the mid part of the season. And, um, 
it's been a tough couple of weeks and it was yeah nice to find some form again and um, yeah hopefully I can challenge Rory at the back end of the year and yeah I, I, yeah, I don't really I don't know, even know what to say to be honest. Many many congratulations, fantastic plan, mate. Well done. Thanks, Tim. Uh, Ryan Fox, um, an emotional win uh, at the Dunhill. Yeah, it was it was a great. Uh, you know, a great result for him. He had a bit of a lull, I guess, the last month or so, which is possibly why Trevor Immelman didn't pick him for the President's Cup. But I thought he was really hard done by. I mean, he was top 50 in the world and they went all the way down to 115 or so Taylor Pendrith who ended up playing in the President's Cup and he went 0 for 4. So I think Ryan Fox or Lucas Herbert or, or Mackenzie Hughes, who we'll talk about shortly, um, may have been someone who I think who, who could have quite easily done a little bit better than uh, Taylor in the President's Cup, but it, so be it. But the beautiful part about this golf tour, this tournament itself, is you never know what conditions you're going to get. And day two was some of the worst conditions any golf pro has ever played on the European tour. I mean, it was raining cats and dogs coming down sideways, blowing about 50 or 60 kilometres an hour. Some great footage of Rory McIlroy laughing his head off as putts were hitting the hole and popping in and bouncing out. And he made another charge again. Uh, Rory's just playing some incredible golf. He shot 66-66 over the weekend for a for tied fourth. I mean, his, his results since the Masters, I wrote these down earlier because I was just astounded by it. I mean, it's almost, it's Tiger-esque in a way. I mean, Tiger would probably have a few more wins because Rory hasn't won as much as Tari, uh, Tiger has, has done in the past. But since the Masters, he's played 14 events. He's won twice, had nine top fives, and in his last four events, he hasn't finished outside the top four. So he is playing some yep. incredible golf. And for me, he's, the world ranking shows he's number two, but he's definitely number one on the world ranking at the moment. Now, Ryan Fox moves to number 25, his highest position ever which is so cool for Ryan. I mean, I'm really pleased for him. He's put in so much hard work. And he ended up winning 25 by... 25 in the world. 25 in the world. For a New Zealander, that's... that. Well, for anyone, that's really good. Yeah. Nothing against the New Zealand. It's his third European tour win, and he's yeah. lost two playoffs before as well, at the uh, Irish Open in 18 and the Dutch Open uh, this year. Yeah, but the the, the the tournament itself, is it's so unique. And, and uh, funny, I was talking about Alex Noren uh, earlier. He needed to eagle the last to catch to catch Ryan Fox, and he hit this tee shot on 18. I don't know if you saw the footage, but it, it went out of bounds, hit a railing, and then bounced onto the green. If he had made that, he almost made the putt for eagle. If he had made that putt for eagle, Ryan would have been going, are you kidding me? I mean, come on, that just doesn't happen. But on, uh, on day two, when I said the conditions were horrific, one of the pros, Alex Knapp, you would have been quite happy with this, Sam, because you may have had this score before for nine holes, but he shot 52 for nine holes. Oh, That's that quite makes a few. me feel so good. On the back nine that at St Andrews. Feel, I, I had uh, 42 at uh, Kate Shank uh, <laughs> on the weekend, so that makes me feel a whole lot better. Yeah, the average score on day two for the three courses was about 77. So for golf, that shows you how hard the golf courses are because most of the times you're shooting around 70, 71, the, the average uh, scores. The first round leader... Uh, Frenchman Romain Lagasque shot 61 the first day at St Andrews. Second day, he shot 80. So 19-shot differential. I think that's the biggest in the history of the tour almost. <laughs> Incredible, isn't it? 61-80. Yeah, I felt the same, but just didn't quite have it. <laughs> is, that, is that like when, uh, was it uh, Greg Chappell saying, I'm not out of form, I'm just not making runs? Yeah, something like that, yeah. The, the ball just keeps finding the edge of the bat, unfortunately. Yeah. We had a big Aussie contingent. We had 14, uh, 14 Aussies. Unfortunately, only two made the cut, and that was uh, Dave Michaluzzi, tied for 36, and Maverick Ancliffe, uh, tied 61. Jeff Ogilvie making a bit of a comeback as well. He shot 66 the first round, had a great start, but then the weather hit the second day, and he unfortunately ended up missing the cut. There were, you know, if we're going to talk about it, there were nine live golfers looking for those world-ranking points mm. again. Uh, six of them missed the cut, unfortunately, but the two guys, Peter Uline and Louis Oosthuizen, finished tied 10th. So they'll get some world-ranking points moving up there. Uh, so, 
before we uh, get to the break, um, PGA Tour results. Um, again, it wasn't uh, the strongest PGA field. No, it wasn't. That we've it's, seen. It, this is the, the country club of Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi, for the Sanderson Farms Championship. In Jackson, Mississippi, yeah. I, mm. I used to play that event. Uh, it's sponsored by Sanderson's Chickens. And you know what they give you? Well, they used to give every player because I was there. They gave you, have you, you know, the big green egg? Remember those? The big, uh, yeah. the big cookers or grills, whatever you yeah. want to call them, barbecue. Yeah, they get every player in the field a big green egg. Really? That's imp- and they were worth about $1,000 over there. So that's a lot of, uh, a lot of big green eggs. I just would have assumed chickens. But... <laughs> yeah, you would think. But uh, Mackenzie Hughes played beautifully. He won in a playoff from uh, Seb, Seb Strucker, um, who's, again, for Mackenzie, it was a bit of a uh, President's Cup disappointment. And he sort of mm. said afterwards in the interview, well, you know, I, I used it as motivation uh, third round leader Mark Hubbard, unfortunately, he fell away. We had, you know, the lone Aussie in the field was Harrison Endicott. Got off to that great start last week. Yeah. He missed the cut, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah, shot a seventy three and a seventy four. Yeah, but this is the second event of the new season, the twenty twenty two twenty twenty three. So the field wasn't as strong as you normally get. Um, but again, week after the Presidents Cup, all those top players they're having a bit of a break, a bit of a rest. And and this next week coming up is the Shriners event in Las Vegas. You're going to see more of the stars coming, like Patrick Cantlay's, those type mm. of players. We've got a couple more Aussies playing in Lucas Herbert, Cam Davis. And I just saw also uh, a big news for the Ruffles family. Ryan Ruffles just Monday qualified. So he got into the tournament as well through the Monday qualifier. And what that means is they have four spots on a Monday that about 150, 200 players can try and qualify. You usually yep. got to shoot about seven or eight under. And he shot a really nice round to get into a playoff, a six-for-one playoff, and he ended up getting through. So Ryan Ruffles is going to play a PGA Tour event, which is huge for him because he's an outstanding young talent. That's my call. You mean Yes. I'm Jay Peter. That's the man that Nick Ahern <laughs> played the Dunhill Teams event with. John O'Hurley. He was a ripper. Mr. Mr. Peterman. Oh, Mr. that Lane's boss. And there are people just texting through, AG, it will always be Myanmar for me. Uh, he is, <laughs> I can't do the voice justice, of course, but uh, keep sending in your Jay Peterman quotes if you're a Seinfeld fan. That is, just would have tickled your fancy as much as it did mine. Uh, plenty to talk about from a live point of view. Um, the, there are more and more people pushing for peace uh, and we'll talk about that uh, on the other side of this. Uh, the likelihood of it, though, uh, is low. <laughs> we will address the live elephant that continues to be in the room and has no signs of going anywhere on the other side of this. Off the tee, Nick Ahern, Sam Hart, SEN. You're listening to Off the Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off the Tee podcast. Uh, welcome back to Off the Tee. You can get involved with us at any stage, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or you can text in 0433-981116. Nick Ahern, as there is every week, uh, there's a bit to talk about uh, when it comes to live. Um, the PGA has countersued live. So we know that uh, the live tour had filed the federal antitrust lawsuit in August, claiming players were banned from the PGA events for playing in the live which is the uh, Saudi royal family-backed uh, tournament that Greg Norman uh, is the CEO and, and the head of um, and in charge of. So the PGA Tour has countersued Live Golf, claiming that the breakaway competition offered astronomical sums of money to sports wash the recent history of Saudi atrocities and enticed players to break 
their contracts mm-hmm. with the PGA. Liv has executed a campaign to pay Liv players astronomical sums of money to induce them to breach their contracts with the tour in an effort to use the Liv players and the game of golf to sports watch the recent history of Saudi atrocities and to further the Saudi Public Investment Fund's Vision 2030 initiatives, uh, the PGA Tour claimed. Indeed, a key component of Liv's strategy has been to intentionally induce tour members to breach their tour agreements and play in Liv events while seeking to maintain their tour memberships and play in marquee tour events like the Players' Championship and the FedEx Cup playoffs so Liv can free ride off the tour and its platform. What did you think? It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just catching up on the story. It was something about tortious, inter- tortious, is that the right word? Tortious interference with the contract. So, yeah, it sounds as though the PGA Tour is saying, look, you guys, you know, we, we know you're going. You've done it. You've been paid a lot of money to go. And it seems to me as though their players that have gone are trying to then entice other players to go as well, which is obviously not in... Um, what would you call it? The uh, in fairness of in fairness of the game or the sport to bring other players across because when you play for the PGA Tour, you are you are signing a contract in a way to participate on that tour and abide by their rules and regulations. And part mm. of that is not to play other tours without uh, consent, and then also not to entice other players to go as well. So, yeah, I mean, again, we're suing, we're counter suing. This is going to drag on for a long, long time, and. There's a lot of money involved, obviously. Liv hit back, uh, saying that the justice system will right these wrongs. They perceive the PGA has committed. The tour has made these counterclaims in a transparent effort to divert attention from their anti-competitive conduct. With Liv and the players' detail, which which Liv and the players' detail in their 104-page complaint, we remain confident that the courts and justice system will right these wrongs. So this will just be keep going back and forth and on and on. Um, Rory McIlroy, though, says he believes that it's still possible for men's professional golf to become cohesive again after an ugly year. And it's interesting that he talks about men's golf because Greg Norman has said this week that a, a, a women's live tour is at the forefront of his mind. Okay. That's interesting. Again, be very interesting. Uh, but he, Rory believes that after an ugly year beset by bitter rows between the uh, the US and the European tours and the insurgent live series, that it is possible to become cohesive again. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's interesting. I mean, Rory, he, he's looking, I think, you know, long-term. Uh, he's going, obviously, this is just fracturing the game. It's, it's, it's splitting it in half, in, in two halves, three halves, whatever it is. I was reading more of his comments, and he sort of said, look, at the moment, it's probably not the right time for a tool like this to be here. He said he can see how it would work in the future uh, down the road, but... They have to meet all sorts of criteria for this to be a uh, recognised tour where there's world ranking points. Players can qualify to get on this tour. That's one of the, you know, the sticking points, I think, with a, a number of players because they're saying, hey, we've got 48 of the best players in the world. No, you don't. You've probably got about 10, 10 really good players, another 15 to 20 reasonably good players and then others that, you know, have never made a PGA Tour mm. cut in their life, like um, uh, what's his name, uh, Peter Uline and uh, Pio is another one and some amateurs that are playing on tour there. So Yeah, there's only um, three players. Um, sorry, there's there's four players now, including Phil Mickelson, Ian Poulter, Taylor Gooch, Hudson Swafford, um, who have withdrawn They've dropped from out the of antitrust the lawsuit. lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, so they were among 11 players who initially sought those punitive damages. Um, so Jones, Bross and DeChambeau, Peter Uline are among the players that are still suing. 
Um, yep. But Carlos Ortiz, Pat Perez, uh, Jason Cockrack and Abraham Anser previously bailed on the lawsuit as well. So it doesn't leave many left, but uh, Liv have said that nothing has changed. Uh, that the merits of the lawsuit they believe still stand and will be fully tested in court and we look forward to it. Um, Mickelson uh, pulling out said that uh, I'm focused on moving forward and extremely happy to be part of Live, which also grateful for, but also grateful for my time in the PGA tour. Interesting yeah. that there's a guy who's a major, major golf backer yeah. um, and, a, and a huge sponsor of golf is asking them to throw down your guns mm. to try and find a, a, a common ground. So Greg Norman's got no interest in dealing with the PGA. Jay Monaghan, the tour commissioner, has no interest in um, speaking to Greg Norman. Um, but there's a, a man, Keith Pelly. Uh, sorry, Keith Pelly's the DP World Tour commissioner, uh, yep. commissioner who's going to wait till February before handing down his sanctions. Um, Pelly uh, has said that he would only entertain involvement from the Saudi-backed Live series if they acted as a sponsor within the sports ecosystem. Um, so Johan Rupert, who's invested more than $100 million into the sport for over four decades... He was uh, the sponsor of the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship, which was just held, yep. Yeah, so he's, he's the chairman of, now is it Richemont? Yeah, Richemont. Richemont, a multi-billion dollar Swiss luxury goods maker. Um, they've called for peace talks between Liv and, and the PGA. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting call by uh, by Johan there. Yeah, so he part of their Richemont is is Dunhill, obviously the luxury goods brand. Mm. So he's a he's a multi billionaire South African businessman who's been involved with the game for many many years, and he's good friends with Ernie Els, Ratif Goose, and a lot of the mm. South African players over the years. And he's held that held that tournament for year after year after year. And I and I and I know Johan, and he loves the game of golf, and he wants everyone to work together. And obviously, he's seen some of his South African cohorts gone to there like Louis Oosthuizen and, and Brandon Grace who are playing on the tour Charles Schwartzel they're all good friends of his so he's he's sort of looking okay how can we get this to work together I don't see it happening anytime soon uh, I know Keith Pelly the European commissioner would love for these live players not to be playing his events but mm. the law, the courts have said for the time being yes you can come and play our events so you know there are players as I said there were nine players that played the Dunhill Lynx championship this week Peter Euline interestingly he was an invite so there was an invitation for him because he he was never going to qualify for the Dunhill Lynx but obviously Johan Rupert reached out and said hey do you want to play and he rewarded him with a top 10 finish which was a great result for him Jeff off the text saying PGA Tour clutching at very short straws here that's in relation to their counter suit um but the, the gentleman we were just speaking about, uh, Johan Rupert, said there needs to be a cessation of hostilities which are threatening the future of the game we all love. People need to talk to each other to find a solution. That, as you said, seems highly unlikely at this stage. But the prospect of the media deal that looms for live, which is getting the odds of which are getting shorter and shorter, that that is actually going to come to fruition... That'll give the tournament the shot in the arm and the credibility that at the moment, with showing their tournaments on YouTube, it mm. doesn't quite have. If it gets it, it'll change the landscape. It will, in a way. Um, the interesting way that they are getting it is they're going to pay for airtime. So usually the networks, mm. you know, pay the PGA Tour or the European Tour. They offer them money for the rights to air the golf. Now... Unfortunately for Live Golf, um, no one's offering them anything because no one wants to televise it. Now, I have a feeling there's probably a favour or two called into um, 
you know, the, the Fox network, which is who they're talking about at the moment, to say, hey, can you, can you air this for us? And, and Live Golf are actually going to buy airtime, which is, which is the reverse. And that's what yeah. happens when you have unlimited funds and you can spend all that money. Now, you know, I've heard, again, figures of like, I mean, on YouTube, they might be getting 100,000 people watching the Live Golf events at one particular time. I've also heard for a you know, one of the biggest college games in football on Fox Sports, they're probably getting about 300,000 people watching. So if that's the case, I'm not sure they're going to get massive viewership on on this Fox Sports uh, network that they're going to televise it on in the US. So time will tell as to, to what happens there. But it is a, a bit of a shot in the arm and something for them to, uh, you know, to get to get their uh, golf televised. The other... So the other... So we, if we... If it came to be that there was a... Uh, by the way, we just had a couple of people trying to call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Links back behind the phone. So if you wanted to have your say on uh, anything in the world of golf, uh, please do so, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. But if that if that comes to pass, that not only would they get the, the airtime they're buying from Fox, but if they got another backer to come through, mm. that... That makes them a player with already the talent that they've got on board. So the more, so it's just another step forward, though, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah, and and if you keep taking marginal steps forward, sooner or later, um, you, we're going to have to, and 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 the PGA and the DP are really going to have to start instead of seeing it as a nuisance that they hope goes away, or that they can just not not bully's not the right word, but that they can just sort of overwhelm mm. and outdo, mm-hmm. well, that's probably not going to be how it works. I mean, if this thing sticks around and it gets a TV deal and then starts to get backing, whether they people start buying the teams and have like a IPL-style ownership of because it's a team golf and then the, the, the team golf is there, that's the unique aspect to it, that not only do you play in... As a, as a solo entity, you play as part of a team and they're hoping to try and sell off those teams, well, then then you become a fixture. It's certainly, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, the thing that's against them, and I've sort of said it all along, is, is the world rankings. So they're not going to get the validity of these players having an official world golf ranking because they are not getting any world ranking points. They're falling down and tumbling down the... The list uh, you know, as we speak almost. I mean, Dustin Johnson's probably maybe even outside the top 20 in the world rankings at the moment. But the thing... Cam Smith dropped to three. He's number three, which is not much of a fall. But the, the problem is, and, and I know they're calling for world ranking points. You know, we, we should have world ranking points now, et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen for at least a year, maybe even two years, before, because they're not meeting any of the criteria at the moment. It's mm. three rounds. There's no cut. There's 48 players in the field. There's all this list of criteria, about seven or eight points that they have to meet. Now, they may meet one or two of them. There has to be a pathway to get into the, the Live Golf events, a qualifying system to be able to, to get into these things. Now, you know, they, they talk about, well, the, the World Golf events, for instance, the World Golf Championships, they don't have a cut and, uh, you know, that, that's a limited field. Yes, that's true, but they're also part of the PGA Tour and that's uh, four events out of 48. So it's like one-twelfth of their tour and, and there has to be a... A, li- a minimum amount of events maybe that have these, you know, n- no-cut sort of fields and, and that sort of thing. They have all these other events which are full fields and all and have the cuts, 72 holes, et cetera, et cetera. So, so they meet the criteria, obviously, in those ways. And then there's also, like, the Hero World Challenge at the end of the year, Tiger Woods event. 
12 players only play, or 15 players only play that, and they actually do offer world ranking points. Now, they went through about a six- or a seven-year process to get those world ranking points. They never had world ranking points in the beginning. So, so there is a process to get through, and I think they're going to have to change their criteria. Um, mm. But they can do it at the drop of a hat. They can make it a 72-hole event, and they could maybe up the fields, maybe make a tour or a three-round cut or something like that. Who knows? On the flip side of that, the biggest threat to live is, is the decision that the majors will all make eventually. And Tiger Woods, we say this every week, but Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy are campaigning really hard, um, or ca- campaigning with, with everything they've got for the majors to pull the pin on the live players participating. Because at the moment there's, I think, 12 major winners um, on the live tour. Mm. And that gets them exemptions. To, to play the tournament, the, the major that they won for the rest of the and then for the rest of their life, but then also the others for the next five years, depending on when they won. So Cam Smith, for example, he's covered he's the majors for the next, for the next five, five years. years. Yeah. But if they said, actually, no, we're not honouring that now because you're not part of the tour that you were part of when you won it, watch them all jump ship. Watch well, them all come running back. I well, would have thought. Yeah, but the PGA Tour are going to go, sorry, but you made your decision. You've been well... Do you think they'd do that, though? It wouldn't surprise the me. The names that <laughs> have, have left... I don't think they're going to come running back either. That's the thing. You that, don't think so? Well, because be, the lawyers would be licking their lips if that happens. That's the interesting thing. I mean, I, I think the Masters is the first cab off the rank next year in April. Mm. We're going to see what happens there. That'll be a big call. Uh, John's on the road. G'day, John. Yeah, thanks, Buzz. Um yeah, look, you, you mentioned uh, about having you know, the option of other platforms like YouTube to, to watch uh, some of the live tournaments, but I, I just can't help but feel that, you know, uh, especially in Cameron Smith's situation, is, you know, he, he's obviously a, he's become an accomplished golfer, a very skillful, uh, very humble guy, and we, get, you know, we miss out on get to see him play and compete against the best. And, uh, you know, and, and by the time, I, I mean, I know it'll eventually happen. And uh, I just think that there is so much going on in the world of sport that's political now. And most of what we're talking about is, you know, the politics and, 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 and you know, what's, what's ruling the game. And I just, uh, yeah, really, really disappointed because I really took to him. Um, and I'm talking about Cameron Smith. And it would have been good to see, to see him, um, you know, fight it out against all the best, um, and it just might take too long before that happens now. Hey, thanks for the call, John. Uh, greatly appreciated. Um, did anything ring true there for you? Yeah, I, I agree with John. I would love to see Cameron Smith play week in, week out on the events. Um, mm. Unfortunately, whenever I've, well, I've watched the last little bits of the last couple of live golf events, and they don't excite me very much as in the format and, and what they're playing for, I'm looking forward to seeing him coming down to Australia at the end of the year. He's going to play our big events, which is yes. massive for Australian golf, and also the majors next year, hopefully, <laughs> if yeah. the majors cooperate. Um, I thought that the finish to the Chicago event, though, was was pretty exciting. You did? Yeah, okay. with Dustin Johnson and, and, and he fighting it out. I thought there was a – I thought that had – that seemed to be – like that, that felt real mm. to me. Okay. It hasn't in some of the other ones I've watched, but yep. that one felt – because they were feeling it. Yeah, there was well, emotion being expressed. And so when it means something to them, other than just the paycheck, I think that you, you buy into that. Well, and, and I started to buy into it. Let's just hope that they're up there every week for, the, for well, every live golf that, that, that does happen. 
Hey, um, before we finish up tonight, uh, there's a couple of things that will happen. Uh, we will speak to the CEO of Big Swing Golf. Uh, looking forward to being joined uh, because we love the team at Big Swing Golf. So uh, looking forward to uh, Rob Op- uh, Desano f- to joining us. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Nick Ahern's got a big announcement for the uh, Cathedral Invitational uh, and a big name is all set to appear at that. And we'll tap into Nick's knowledge how to play your best golf. He'll give you the tip of the week. In fact, I'm going to ask you for a tip of the week because of something that was happening to me when I was playing on the weekend, and I need help. And I reckon this would happen to a lot of golfers. So we'll do that on the other side of this on Off The Tee. Nick Ahern, what is the Cathedral Invitational, please? So it's a fantastic two-day tournament, the Monday, Tuesday after the Australian Open, mm-hmm. 36-hole event. It's going to be a bit of a pro-am format the first day, so the members will play with the pros. And then the second day, it will be only pros only, about 45 to 50 of Australia's best golfers are going to tee it up at the exclusive Cathedral Country Club, which is a couple of hours outside of Melbourne. And we have some big news. So just give me some of the names that are already okay. signed up to play. Already signed? Well, Nick O'Hearn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Uh, well, that, I'm, that, that, I'm sold. I, I'm at the bottom of the list. Don't worry. No, we've, uh, we've been very fortunate to have some of Australia's best at the moment. Mark Leishman. I mean, talk about one of the big yes. names there. Jeff Ogilvy. Yes. Jason Scrivener, who's done very well yep. over in uh, on the DP World Tour. Wade Ormsby, a live golfer for you. Thank you very well, much. We so go. we've so got some, some live controversy <laughs> coming, yes. Uh, some more local names like Jared Felton, uh, Dimi Papadados. We, yep. We haven't announced any uh, women golfers as of yet, but they are coming. They will be announced. Great. We just haven't, haven't had final confirmation. Uh, as of yet, but uh, David Evans, who's the chairman of uh, Cathedral Invitational, uh, of the Invitational and the golf club, obviously. Mm. It's his golf club, so he, yes. can, he can sort of say we'll whatever he likes about it. And... <laughs> We've spoken about that before, but he did announce the other day he has been talking to one of Australia's greats uh, in Adam Scott. He has committed to play in the Cathedral wow. Invitational. So That's huge. It's a big, big get in that regard. Uh, this will be broadcast as well. Cathedral Invitational? It will be broadcast after the event. It's going to be uh, broadcast more of as, as a highlights package, but in the future years to come, it will then be obviously a televised live event. Love it. That is a massive announcement. Now, we are very proud to have a new uh, sponsor on board, off the tee, uh, and we have decided because there's a, this is a company that you have uh, had a great relationship with over many, many years. Near and dear to my heart. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Ping Golf has been my sponsor for many, many years. Uh, started here in Australia, over in Europe, and then obviously in America when I played over there. Interestingly enough, my book, which we've been doing this tip called How to Play Your Best Golf, well, the Ping logo and the Ping motto is Play Your Best. And I didn't actually realise that until I <laughs> came up with the title. I thought, hang on, we've got the Ping title in my books, which is great. So it is only right that when we tap into Nick's knowledge for his tip of the week from his book, How to Play Your Best Golf, that it is all for Ping. Use Ping Golf Equipment so you can play your best. Uh, Ping Golf Equipment is custom engineered, custom fit and custom built for you to play your best. So I need a tip this you week. Do, yeah. So I actually played okay when I was down at Cape Shank on the weekend. We went away for our first ever family holiday together myself, the beautiful Evie and, and Charlie Bear, and uh, I was lucky enough to be able to just to sneak away uh, to get uh, a few holes in at Cape Shank. Beautiful. Uh, which was apt because there was a few of those as well. But I actually played okay, apart from those are very, very deep bunkers there. They are. Um, mm-hmm. They're down a mine shaft at times. <laughs> and my score, I think, would have been better by 
seven if I hadn't have found those bunkers and if I had been able to get out three uh, twice, I had three shots to get out of a bunker. Mm. In fact, it's eight shots and another time it took me two. Yep. Um, I need some bunker help need in those help. really deep bunkers. Yeah. What am I doing? It's a common story with deep bunkers because what tends to happen is people try and lift the ball out because they think, oh, I've got to get this ball up nice and high. But the thing about bunkers is you want to take some sand, but obviously not too much sand. Which is what I'm doing. Which is what you're doing. now. If, and the reason you're doing it, that is probably because you're trying to lift the ball up so you're falling back onto your back leg. So that, then the, grant, the club's hitting the sand probably eight or nine, ten inches behind the ball rather than about three or four inches. So what you need to do is have a nice wide stance when you set up to it. Open the club face. That's very important. So you use the bounce on the back of the sand iron. That's what it's there for. Now, next, what I want you to do is I want you to lean your weight slightly into your left side. So you're actually almost leaning your weight forward. Now, when you swing, I want you to keep your weight there and hit down through the ball. Don't try and lift the ball. That's the real key. If you hit down through the ball, you won't take too much sand. And the loft on the club and the bounce is going to elevate the ball for you to get over that steep lip. And most importantly, follow through. Because a lot of people do not follow through. They kind of quit on the shot and they try and lift it up using their body too much. You've got to trust the fact that the bounce on the club will get the ball out of the sand for you. Now... The other thing at the setup I really want you to do is point the butt of the club at your belt buckle. Don't lean your hands too far forward and let that club head swing past you. Make sure the club head swings past you on the way through. And that'll get you out of the sound every time to help play your best. It is the ping. Use ping golf equipment so you can play your best. So each week when we tap in to Nick's knowledge to how to play your best golf, it is all thanks to ping. Golf equipment is custom engineered, custom fit and custom built for you to play your best Use Ping Golf Equipment so you can play your best golf. Back after this, we'll talk Big Swing Golf with the CEO. Big Swing Golf, indoor golf, it's real, it's fun, it's fast. It is the best golf simulator action that you will find. There is a Big Swing Golf near you. Just get on to bigswinggolf.com.au. Massive screen, selection of exciting virtual game. It delivers a -a one-of-a-kind simulation, fun for golfers, non-golfers alike. To tell us a little bit more about it, we're absolutely wrapped to have this man joining us because he is the CEO of Big Swing Golf, and we greatly appreciate their support on Off The Tee. Rob Opadisano, hello, mate. Hello, Sam. How are you going? Very well, thanks. Um, you have set up a magnificent facility. Um, just tell us a little bit about how people can get involved with Big Swing Golf. Oh, thanks for having me on to start with. Um, but before I answer how you can get involved, maybe I should answer the question of why. Um, yes. So let me take you back a few years. Early In the early days, we hooked up with full swing simulators, and they're known as being the simulator of choice by Tiger Woods, Jason Day and Jordan Spieth. And so through that whole time, we thought we'd be attracting some serious golfers to practice and maybe some play when they're short on time. But what we found was that we're actually much better with social golfers. So they get their buddies along to have some fun together. I mean, we, we do still see the serious golfer, but they're more likely to be bringing their friends along for a week of catch-up rather than a beer at the pub. Um, all our venues have a liquor license, so they're not missing out on anything. It just became obvious that doing an activity while catching out with mates was a pretty attractive combo. Um, so, yeah, making the game more accessible and growing the game has led us to where we are today. Um, I'm sure most of your listeners will know that um, over the past two and a half years, a lot of people have gotten into golf. 
Um, people are now getting busier again. I mean, I've just come back from three weeks in Europe and going by the amount of accents I heard over there, I'm surprised that anyone was left in Australia. Um, but, but moving on from COVID, I think people are, people are being busy again now, and they're, but they're still keen on playing golf. So indoor golf is becoming discovered in a big way. I mean, it's, it's fast, it's easy, it's cheap, and it's very accessible. Um, so I want to answer your question now about how. We've, we have 21 locations around Australia. So we've recently opened a venue in Mile End in Adelaide. So we have a venue in every state except Western Australia, but uh, watch this space. Um, but the, the easiest way for people to find us is logging on to bigswinggolf.com.au and you'll be able to find a venue close to you. Um, we're open well into the evening in most venues, so we try and make it as easy as possible for people to have it. Oh, fantastic, Rob. This is Nick O'Hearn. Uh, great to chat with you this evening. Um, obviously, you know, the, the social benefits that you're talking about, you've got your mates, have a bit, a bit of a beer, have a hit of a golf. Uh, what, you know, what, what more... How much more fun can you get than that, obviously? But uh, I guess the question I've got for you, are there any competitions with, within Big Swing Golf that you can play in? Yeah, absolutely. I think you may have had Bernie on a few weeks ago who mm. was talking about the leagues. Um, I won't elaborate too much on the details. I'm sure your listeners have heard it all before, but I will stress that it's not a serious competition. It's a fun competition. Uh, typically, in, in every group, there's probably a serious golfer who gets a couple of occasional golfers along together with a new golfer and together as a team, they have a blast. It, but though there is a, in the finals, they are, get a little bit competitive. Um, our spring league is just starting now, and it's sponsored by Nike with great prizes on offer. So I'll let the listeners reach out to the local BSG venue for more information on those. Uh, well, we are absolutely wrapped to have you on board with us, Rob. And we've got about a minute left before we have to sign off for the evening. So just let people know how they can stay up to date with everything that's happening on, at Big Swing Golf. Yeah, sure. So like most businesses nowadays, you can find us online by Googling Big Swing Golf or Facebook or Instagram, all the likely places. But what I want to leave you guys with is, I'm sure you, a lot of your listeners may not know this, but we're not just for golfers. We do corporate functions, birthday parties, bucks parties, lessons, women's golf clinics, and also kids parties. We have 12 other simulated sports. So I won't list them all, but basketball, rugby, soccer, dodgeball, just some of the popular ones. So we really feel we have something for everyone. Yeah, absolutely do. And we're wrapped that you've got uh, your sponsorship and your support with us and, and vice versa. Thanks so much, Rob. We'll speak to you again soon. Sam and Nick, really appreciate you having me. Thanks, uh, bigswinggolf.com.au, more than just golf. Uh, it's indoor golf. It's real. It's fun. It's fast. Nick, I'll speak to you next week. Absolutely. I think we should go down to that Cheltenham venue and have a hit. It's not too far from either of us. Uh, we'll do that and we'll see you this same time next week for Off the Tee. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.